1: Plug in and get
0: connected to hot tips, interesting perspectives, and expert travel advice as we cultivate travel insight through intelligent conversation. Welcome to Talk Travel Asia, episode number 46, Dream Travel Destinations 2. You know, air travel, open borders, and easy visa requirements have made it easier than ever for travelers to get around the world, making it a much smaller place. Back in December 2014, we shared some of the places in Asia we'd like to visit on Dream Travel Destinations 1. Today, we've compiled a new list of destinations we're keen to get to and are going to share them with you today. This is Trevor Ranges, recording live in
1: Bangkok, Thailand with Mr. Scott Coates. How are you doing today, Scott? Hey, Trevor. I'm good, and we live about three kilometers apart and have quite a run now of uh, actually getting face to face and recording these things. So it's good to be sitting here with you again. And uh, man, it was fun. I looked back on dream travel destinations and and looked where we said we wanted to go and where we got and probably as the reality is with travel didn't make it to a lot of them. But I was surprised we did make it to some of them. And then kind of sat down and thought, man, where would I really like to go? And then Putting this together, I was like, ooh, wow, I was interested in that place. But then I looked at it online and saw pictures and learned more, and I I'm even more stoked about places I'm not going to get to for a while. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's what I'm saying. Like, why are we doing Dream Travel it's Destinations
0: like, 2 when we haven't even gone to all the places places we, we talked about on Dream Travel Destinations 1? Yeah. Um, but we, we didn't do too bad. Uh, I remember you had put Sea Panda on the 4,000 islands um, in Laos on the first issue, and, yeah. and I was like, well, Wat Pu is nearby there, and Wat Pu is one of the oldest pre-Anchorian Cambodian temple complexes, and uh, I did manage to make it to that one, and that was pretty awesome.
1: Yeah, well done. Well played on that. I still have not been to the 4,000 islands, but, you know, in the next year or two, it's going to happen. And then there was uh, two others around there that we put down, Virashe National Park and Ratanakiri in the far northeastern corner of Cambodia. Didn't make it there, either of us, but man, it's still high on the list. And then the big one that we keep saying we're going to is Priya Khan, a uh, Angkorian period temple, right? Kind of smack dab in the middle of the country. You got a motorbike out there. Hopefully November, maybe. Yeah, yeah you know, you we, we there was a good chance we would have
0: been doing this like <laughs> yeah. in about a week um, if I hadn't blown out my knee uh, here in February. Uh, so we were really going to do it this time. And, and so we could almost
1: half check that one off the list. No, oh, we can <laughs> no, And then no. you were talking Philippines, right?
0: Yeah, I wanted to do a surf trip in Philippines, uh, Siargao and, and Palawan, uh, do some surfing and some diving, uh, and that's still on the bucket list. Uh, but you did make it to Lombok, huh?
1: Yeah, I made it to Lombok, but you know, it was a unique trip in that I went with my parents and it's probably the only time I've gone somewhere and not done or seen anything beyond the hotel because we stayed at a really, really cool boutique resort and it was just super comfy, couches and areas to sit and the beach was there and there were surfboards and so mm-hmm. i can't say as like i really you know feel like i know bali or lombok but hey i got there yeah because
0: you wanted to go up mount rinjani yeah which yeah. is one of the big things to do there now yeah. i've actually heard in, in the past six months or so of some really scary reports of machete wielding thieves and people stringing cables across roads to, to block motorcycles oh, and, wow. and attack and rob foreigners so Currently, Lombok is on my do not go to this place list. Uh, So we hope that the local authorities there can can clean that act up a little bit.
1: Yeah. And then another one we threw out there was uh, Putao Minma, which isn't like the far, far north, north part near the Himalayas. And I knew I wasn't going to make it to there any day soon. But but one day.
0: Yeah. And uh, another one we have not yet gone to, um, which which I I wanted to do for this past New Year's, um, but we didn't make it out. There was the Surin Islands and in the, the Northwestern part of Thailand. Uh, yeah, the Malkin experience with the Andaman discoveries is definitely, uh, on my to-do list. And, you know, our recent guest, uh, Rick Gazarian, who you interviewed up in Chiang Rai, he, he talked highly of it.
1: Yeah. And then Yunnan, China was thrown out there. I have not
0: been. You've been down to Yunnan or no? Yeah, we went to Yunnan when I was in the East West Center. We did our our GIST uh, field study in Yunnan.
1: Yeah. Well, you know what? We didn't make it there, but I also wasn't going into that episode promising or really thinking I'd get to all them. And one of the cool things is that it's I think it's just neat to throw out some of these destinations that, you know, some of our listeners probably definitely know of. Some are mainstream, others not so mainstream. And it's just fun to dream big, right? Dream and you hit a couple of them. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's why we love to talk travel right
0: yeah you know i do hope that someone who's listening to this episode has great tips on some of our dream travel destinations because uh you know i'm kind of the kind of guy who would be like i'm gonna buy a ticket to someplace i've never been to and then just go there and figure it out when i get there um at the same time if somebody's got some great tips for me uh we'd love you to share them
1: yeah email them in before we go any further thanks to our sponsor that is today himalayan trails is sponsoring this episode they are a travel company based in nepal and it's run by local nepalese and also a couple of foreigners who've been there for well over 15 years each and they do a bang-up job of pretty much anything you could want to do in nepal whether it's super remote whether it's soft adventure the whole idea is quality uh, i know them i've worked with them they're good friends so if you want to go to nepal you should seriously to consider Himalayan Trails. Thanks so much to them for joining us. So, Trevor, um, what do you say we get into places we've deemed that uh, we're pretty keen on going to? All right, why don't you kick it off? Yeah, Ladakh, India. And, you know, I got to admit, like, I knew the name Ladakh. I knew it was in northern India. I knew Leh was the capital. And it was kind of my love for the mountains in Nepal that got me interested. But this is a Buddhist kingdom which runs along the Himalayas and the Karakoram mountain ranges. And it's sandwiched between Pakistan india and tibet and it's next to Kashmir. i think it's one of those like really truly out there destinations in my mind and it actually means the name means land of high passes there's really only two major roads apparently in and out of here and they're both closed at times of the year because they're so high they get tons of snow so you simply can't get in or out by road all the time it's also like a half and half population of Shia Muslim mixed with the others being Tibetan Buddhists. And I don't think there's like too many areas on Earth where you have like super high Himalayas and a Karakom range and you have, you know, such a broad uh diversity of religions and you're going to have Tibetan style temples and some of the world's highest mountains nearby, raging lizards or raging rivers, not lizards. There's some raging lizards. There <laughs> There, too. there mean, could be, I mean, uh, you got deserts and, and kind of a lot of things look like the Mongolian steep as well. So like, man, I, I'm super interested in getting to Ladakh.
0: Wow. You know, I got to agree with you uh, on this one just because, you know, India is a place that I've never been to. And I think in general, it should be on anyone's dream destination list. Um, I figure I could just throw a dart at a map and just go there. That's one of the ways I do like to travel. It's like, where does Air Asia fly that I've never been to? Yeah. And then just buy a ticket, right? Mm. Um, But uh, rather than throwing a dart at the map, maybe I'll just join you on, on this trip to Ladakh.
1: Yeah, and it seems most flights go from Delhi. So, like, you got to kind of get yourself to, like, Delhi or a major Indian center. And then they have all kinds of, like, discount airlines, budget airlines now. Well, in, those uh, are safe, too. In, yeah, well, they're really safe. I mean, <laughs> hey, roll the dice. You can either drive in or take an internal flight. So... I think it's probably a little easier to get to than before, but yeah, uh, yeah it's high on the list. And then, I, well, I've always wanted to go to these areas
0: where it's like you know, you've been in Nepal, and Nepal could easily be on, on one of my lists. Maybe Dream Desolations three, um, just place where there's like these really remote Tibetan monasteries and, and yeah. just spectacular wilderness and just fresh air. Uh, that that sounds awesome because like otherwise, I you know, you don't think of fresh air when you think of India, especially when you're talking no. about the cities. But it's
1: so big, right? From beaches in the south to Himalayas. Well, yeah, yeah. And so.
0: That's That's why if I were to put a place in India, like I for once like to go to a place where I know someone Mm. uh, because India, I have heard, can be a bit challenging for people who have never traveled there before. Um, So I I didn't get a chance to go for my friend Shreya's wedding, but my friend Shreya is from Chennai. Mm. And uh, while she's currently studying in Chicago, I hope someday to go and visit her in Chennai. Um, And although I don't know a whole lot about it, I did look it up and it, it says it's the capital, the cultural capital of India okay um it has a pretty cool looking library museum it's on the coast so it has some pretty nice looking beaches it had gardens and parks and uh you know i like indian food so i imagine that the indian food in chennai is pretty good too so that's going to go on my list uh anywhere in india maybe a trip with you up to to ladakh uh uh, certainly i want to visit chennai
1: and i think it's the tech capital too isn't it i believe it's the tech capital of india yeah okay well let's slide from india up to the land of japan and uh man i have really wanted to go to hokkaido for a long time and i think part of it is that i like skiing but i rarely get to ski because i got to go mm. back to canada and hokkaido i mean it's the the northernmost major island in japan um i've been to tokyo twice hiroshima and kyoto i love japan i like the people and they're they're quiet and a little shy but they are nice it's a very safe country and of course like japanese food is awesome and you know i've really always admired and appreciated that the connection the japanese seem to maintain for nature mm. despite it being a populated country i mean they have great national parks there's green space so that's kind of the initial hook to going back to japan for say a, what a fourth time for me oh yeah yeah but i mean hokkaido is is cooler it's it's pretty close to uh russia Yeah, I
0: heard they get a lot... It's dry. I think they get some really nice snow, like really light, fluffy snow.
1: Yeah, awesome. And I mean, in summer, apparently the average temperatures are only 22, so it it is a cooler place. At the same time, though, winter, it gets down to about minus 5. So where I'm from in Calgary, Canada, we can get minus 30, which... Yeah,
0: that's that's shorts weather in Vermont.
1: Yeah, Yeah, so like, (laughs) if you know you're going to go somewhere in the winter and it might be minus 5, maybe minus 10, like, you can still be out having fun. And summer, it's bearable for people that don't like super hot. But like, I read online that they can get 11 meters of snow in some areas yeah, and apparently it's really like light, light, fluffy powder mm. so as far as skiing when you're living in Southeast Asia you can fly there it's usually two flights you gotta go through Tokyo or another place and then on to Hokkaido and then the one my wife really wants is like apparently the seafood especially the crab yeah. is incredible Like, and I don't think it's the winter season that crab is big and that's where we differ on going to oh, Hokkaido really? yeah but I would love to go to
0: Hokkaido yeah I think the crab just because of the cold water like lobsters from Maine in that like the cold water is is good for the flavor and stuff so yeah i'm down with hokkaido too i get invited every year by some friends here in bangkok that that go and rent a a house out and go skiing and snowboarding and no sweet and, and i haven't skied or Snowboarded in almost 20 years now. 20 years? Yeah, almost, wow. even though I grew up in Vermont and skied five days a week as a kid. Um, so I, I'd love to do that. And if you can go back through Tokyo, I think that's great because uh, I love Tokyo and that's one of the places, if we're going to do an episode about places I'd love to revisit, mm. I've been to Tokyo three times, but it's such a big city and there's so many things to see and do. Um, so I would love to to do a stopover in, in Tokyo on my way to Hokkaido. Yeah. But but I'd always wanted to go to Kyoto. And, and I understand that you've been there before, yeah?
1: Yeah, I went uh, maybe around 2010, give or take a year. But there was this really incredibly cheap airfare offered because bangkok airways opened a route and uh, one of our former guests greg jorgensen and i we went over there for like i think about eight or nine days and man it was it was a great place
0: yeah because you know again all i really knew about it for all these years was that it was the former capital of japan um for for like a thousand years or something like that yeah yeah? and uh unlike a a lot of the former capitals of many cities around asia uh kyoto is still pretty much intact the the way it was i think you know there's a lot of these old temples. There's a lot of old culture. Um, they have like this kaiseki dining, is all these little courses of, of meals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they, they do the tea ceremonies there. They have geishas apparently. Like, yeah. one of the only places I saw Japan.
1: real ones walking down the street.
0: Yeah, and then you know, from the photos I've seen of just these these old Shinto shrines with with all the foliage, like all the trees changing colors. That that reminds me of my native Vermont as well. And it just looks like a really. Calm, relaxing, peaceful place. And and having been to Tokyo, which is a big bustling modern metropolis, Mm. I'd like to see the other side of Japan that's more, you know, in touch with nature and more spiritual and peaceful and, you know.
1: Yeah. As far, I mean, Kyoto, as far as Japanese cities go, is a smaller city. Um, There is, you know, the modern downtown and all that. But I believe they have the most UNESCO World Heritage Sites of any city. Like I'm not a thousand percent sure, but I'm pretty sure that's one thing that makes it neat. And another thing that was really cool is they have a great little bike network. So like Hmm. we rented Cannondale mountain bikes that were really reasonably priced and there's like paved little paths and bike lanes. So you can cover pretty much all the big sites you want to go to just on a bicycle too which made it really good for getting around oh that's good because you know like someone many many years ago had said
0: oh you have to go to Kyoto it was a friend of my parents who's from Kyoto and and so I just like right I'll put it on my list you know but but now that we're talking about it and I did a little research about it I'm like you know I really should go it does sound like a really cool place to to see
1: yeah it was good fun and you know you of course can get the train passes when you go and that's why we went to Hiroshima which was was a great night trip like you know I don't know if I'd go for a long-term trip to Hiroshima but it quick train ride down see the you know the museums from the atomic bombs and whatnot it, it kyoto is a great place and a really easy jumping off point too to go to a lot of other major centers in japan so that's a solid choice all right well let's
0: slide over to uh china i know that in the intro you mentioned yunnan was on the bucket list from from talk travel Asia. <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah dream destinations one but it, i saw here that you put down dolly and dolly is in yunnan i believe
1: yeah yeah and you know it was probably like Six, seven years ago. This has happened a few times in travel where... Within a couple months, I'll have like three or four people mention this area that I didn't know about. And that happened with 4,000 islands about 10 years ago. And then maybe about six years ago, suddenly like three or four people I knew all mentioned Dali, China. And apparently Dali is, you know, this really kind of mystical place almost. It's on the edge of a big lake. The mountains aren't so far away. Apparently it's got a bit of a hippie type vibe to it. Some really cool restaurants and bars a real old world feel. It's a quick 40 minute flight from Kunming. It used to serve also as a trading point between India and China. So apparently you get a real interesting blending of people as happens in trading areas. People, you know, they share recipes, they share culture, they sometimes share a bed and you get a, a different piece of China than the typical China. So, you know, I haven't been super keen on it, but on China in general, but man, this place really, Really kind of captures my imagination. What do you know about it?
0: Well, you know when when I was in the East West Center APLP program, we did uh, our field study in Yunnan, and I had originally really wanted to go to Dali and nearby Lijiang and and Leaping Tiger Gorge, and I understood that this area is incredibly touristy, uh, particularly with Chinese Lijiang, tourists. Yeah. Like yeah, I, but all of Yunnan in general is like a huge. It's like the top destination for internal Chinese tourists. Yeah. But when I was studying the, the history of Yunnan, um, way back in the day, in order for the Chinese to kind of secure this area as part of their empire, they, I wouldn't say pandered, but they, caved, they, they kind of Got the local warlords of the different tribes and groups that that live down there to kind of come on board. So rather than just importing tons of Han Chinese people and and completely wiping out the indigenous culture, uh-huh. they've had like a pretty good balance of allowing those cultures to continue to exist and thrive. Huh. So what I wanted to do to study in that area was just the how they've balanced this massive influx of tourists nowadays with these traditional cultures and 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 this ancient history, um, which which we saw when we were in the southern part of Yunnan but I know in that Dali area is supposed to be pretty cool
1: yeah and you know I'm employing a technique with Dali that is much like avoiding the trailers for movies I actually haven't read a whole lot about it because Mm. when I go yeah I just want to go and be surprised and not really know what to expect so I know a little bit about it I'm very intrigued but I'm just going to leave it at that
0: yeah and then you know the region's quite large and and if you do look at a map Dali and lijiang and all that area like it doesn't look like it's that hard to get off the beaten path you know i don't think if if you were able to like hire a van or just get on some local bus or something like that you'll get lost pretty quickly and you'll end up in some random little town and and discover some really cool stuff and i think like that area is probably spectacularly interesting so uh i'm with you there on on checking out Dali sometime
1: Cool. Well, my next and uh, final one is is one that's been, man, I remember being like 23 years ago, talking to a Canadian guy about his trip to Iran, and at that time, just kind of being like, Iran, like, why would you go there? And he just couldn't have said better things about Mm -hmm. Iran and Iranian people. And since that time, you know, I'll continually once in a while, I run into people I know, I respect their opinion. And they've been in every single person I have ever heard from that's been to iran says it's amazing the people are amazing they're super friendly. Forget all the stuff you see on the news. They're super happy to see Westerners. They'll literally be inviting you in their home for dinner. So, like, I'd love to go. I mean, Persia and Persians, one of the greatest civilizations on Earth. They have tons of UNESCO World Heritage Sites. I mean, I'm Canadian. I know some Americans are a little. Right. I just said, like, every
0: Trump supporter just, like, unliked our, our, our podcast and <laughs> he said that. Yeah. No, but I agree. I, I had uh, some friends from Iran when I lived in California and uh you know they were like oh you have to come you know and and you know, they're incredibly welcoming, warm people, and, and I, I believe that. You know, yeah. the people of Iran are incredibly friendly, I've heard, especially to visitors. They want to show off their country. They have tons of UNESCO World Heritage Sites. Uh, there's cities, there's mountains, there's deserts. Uh, their cuisine is amazing. I've had Ira- Iranian c- cuisine here in Bangkok because there oh, are yeah? some, some restaurants around that soy four area. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I think it, it would definitely be a, a cool place to visit and probably a little bit safer and easier for you as a Canadian Maybe. Um, than for some of our American uh Travelers. But I think in general, like, yeah, it's got this really long and storied history. Um, and and it's probably you know relatively safe in most areas
1: yeah and i mean it's about 70 million people and they only get apparently 5 million international visitors a year so that hardly seems like it's teeming with with mm. tourists and i know that the population i think like more than half the population is 30 or under so it's mm. a, like a really young yeah. well-educated population as well so i think you'd meet a lot of really switched on clever interesting people and me and my dad are like really close i think we may be going there in 2017 he wants to do another father-son trip and he's been talking around so it's i'd say it's in my top five like places in the world period to go to right now cool and, and i like that
0: you went to, to the middle east because uh lots of times we don't think of that as asia it you is know? and it is in asia right <laughs> yeah. and uh, and being based here in bangkok it's really far you know it's it's probably closer to hawaii than it is to iran um, although I know AirAsia does fly to Tehran. I think it's
1: not as far as you think. I think it's like maybe eight hours away. It's oh, not yeah, that it's, far. It's, it's yeah, it's right. closer than London, right? right or right. Paris.
0: Um, so I, I like that you picked the Middle East. And so I'm going to stick with that area. And I'm going to go to somewhere that, that's maybe a little bit more American-friendly, which is Jordan uh, and the ruins of Petra. Hmm. Um, when I was young, um, I was really into archaeology. Um, and when and I was in high school, I spent a bit of time exploring the ruins in, in Greece And uh, so like Turkey could easily go on my list because that's where uh, um, Troy was, you know, but uh, later on in in my youth, uh, I read a book about Gertrude Bell and uh, she was one of my early idols and uh, she made many archaeological discoveries in the Middle East. Um, And I'm not sure if Petra was one of her discoveries or T.E. Lawrence, T.E. Lawrence was her protege. Um, but Petra just looks spectacular. Yeah. It's pretty cool looking. It just looks awesome. And, and Jordan in general, I hear is just one of the most beautiful countries. Um, unlike a lot of the middle East, which is a lot of desert. I heard that Jordan is lots of like rolling green hills and, and farmlands and, uh, rivers and, and Petra obviously is in the desert. It's in between those big red rocks, you know? Yeah. Um, but, but I think going to Jordan and, and going to Petra would, be one of my lifelong bucket list dream comes true
1: yeah and i mean anytime there are those lists of like the best most amazing spots to go on the planet Mm. there's inevitably always the picture of petra right and you look at the scale of these bloody like stone buildings they carved into and out of the side of like a cliff like how do they do that
0: yeah i'm a little worried about it being over touristy, you know, because yeah. I, I don't know how large the site is itself and uh
1: you know, sometimes I'm
0: like you, you're saying Iran doesn't have a lot of, of visitors and I wanted to go to Egypt, you know, when they had some of the, the political problems there just because there would be less tourists there. Yeah, then yeah. So idea. I don't know, maybe maybe now is a good time to go to Jordan. I don't know that just many tourists are going to the Middle East at
1: all these days. Figure you know? out when low season is and go. And uh to take us out, I know that you have thrown in a, a little bonus one here, Trevor, which is interesting.
0: Yeah, because we, we were kind of going all over the, the world here, on, yeah. on, or all over Asia at least, on our new uh, Dream Destinations list. But I thought like one that was in the region that I have wanted to go to for a long time is Taman Nagara National Park, which is right in the center of Malaysia. Right. And uh, I remember like when I first came to Southeast Asia back in the early 90s, that was on my list and and I didn't make it out there. But there's like multi-day treks you can do. It's this massive just national park jungle mountains in the middle of of Malaysia. And Malaysia is a really beautiful country. And uh, and this just looks like some of the most pristine old growth like pre ice age forest that mm. you could probably ever experience
1: yeah I didn't make it there either but I mean it's it's I think you could get in a car from Kuala Lumpur and be there in like four or five hours and mm. yeah everything I've heard about it is like massive massive thick pristine forest lots of wildlife so uh yeah I can't blame you that's one uh, that would be yeah because it's just it's so you're right it is accessible but at the same time like you can literally
0: do like multi-day treks like yeah several days out and you can hire people to like carry some of your gear if, if you want to be pull off your body yeah and stuff. exactly yeah because yeah. 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 yeah, it is like serious jungle and uh, there's not a lot of pristine jungle left in, in no. this part of the world. So no. I think, you know, kudos to the Malaysian government for for keeping that as a big national park, uh, and I'd like uh, to check it out sometime.
1: Yeah, well, man, that uh, I think we've covered way more of the globe than we've ever covered on this show. Like, uh, we have a Google map of this, so uh, you can click on the show notes, and in the show notes we'll have some links to, like, the Wikipedia pages and some other pages of these destinations so you can learn a bit more about them. But uh, click on the map, and when we're making the map, I'm like, wow, we've covered all the way from, like, petra and iran over to hokkaido which is near you know russia uh, i mean this one really we cover asia on this so it was pretty cool to kind of get dreaming travel on a personal level and chat about it so make sure you check out the show notes on this one and check out the links thanks so much for listening this is scott coates saying farewell and i'll hand it over to trevor
0: yeah this is trevor thanks for listening uh, i don't know when we're gonna have dream travel destinations 3 i say that we should finish going to the places on dream travel destinations one at least i don't i Ugh. think the the ones on episode two that we've discussed here today might take the rest of our life to to check off yeah, you yeah, know yeah. um but that that first list uh, i think we should be able to do a better job on and uh so let's do that let's try and get as many of those done as we can before we do dream travel destinations three so that uh or maybe we'll just do an episode where we report on the ones that we visited and what our experiences were like there
1: that could be good. Let's quit our jobs and go. Because we haven't really
0: talked about <laughs> Wapu since I, I've gone on that trip.
1: No. Okay. That's a good idea.
0: Okay. All right. So come back in two weeks and we'll have uh, a guest joining us. And uh, and then if you come back a couple of weeks after that, maybe we'll be talking about Wapu. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you then.
1: Thanks for joining us on Talk Travel Asia. We look forward to sharing with you again soon. Hey, Scott. Do you remember the time we walked on top of the wall at Angkor Tom?